All right, yeah. That movie's super cool. I just, like, if you don't want to just fly around in fighter pilots or fly, fighter planes after that. I, but I was listening to that, and I was like, wait, did he say Vietnam, like, three to one? I, no. No, never mind. I'm good. Like, those are not my odds. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not down for that. My three to one, I'm definitely the one going down. Uh, but... Uh, anyways, that movie's so cool. It's somehow nostalgic for me, even though I wasn't even born yet when that movie came out. I uh, looked up what that actually is, and, and they, there's a word for it. You ever feel like that? Like, I'm nostalgic for a time where I wasn't even actually around. Like, you look at a picture of, the, of like, the, the 40s or 50s. Some of you guys were alive at that period, but I think most of you weren't. Uh, and, like, and it's, like, kind of grainy picture, and it's, like, a, a kid wearing, like, overalls staring out a window of a soda shop, and you're like, man, what? It wasn't, by the way. Like, now is the time to be alive. We've got, like, this awesome screen, and I've got another one in my hand, and then our cars are actually comfortable to drive in and don't give you a concussion from slamming your head against the window <laughs> while you're driving in them. Uh, but, but they call it anamoya. It's like nostalgia, but not. Uh, it's, they call it anamoya, and, and it's an actual thing that people experience. So if you feel like, oh, man, like you start feeling nostalgia, but then you're like, wait, no, I can't be nostalgic for that. It's anamoya. You're anamoyic. <laughs> anamoyic. It's a word. Don't look it up. Um, but anyways, if you haven't met me, my name's Kyle. Uh, I, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm actually the youth pastor. So if you're in here and your age is like, if, if you're going to like 6th through 12th grade, we have an awesome environment. I'd love to invite you. Uh, and if you're a parent here and you're like, man, I just don't embarrass my kids enough with the clothes that I wear. I mean, I can, I can do that for you. Like, it's good. We're fine. Like, we're good to go. I think I'm making a noise back here, so I'm going to fix it real fast. There. How's that? I think we're good. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, my name's Kyle, and I got a real fun little fact for you. Some of you guys may know this right now, but some uh, won't. Uh, we actually just found out that, that my beautiful wife is pregnant with a baby. We're, oh, Yeah. Man, we're so excited. It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. But, uh, but I, when we found, first found out, uh, we actually had a friend of mine from out of town staying in our house. In our, we got a one-bedroom apartment. It's pretty small, so if anything happens in there, you, everybody in the house knows. And so he's staying in our house for a few days. And so we're hanging out in the living room, and Kayla tells me, like, hey, come, come back here in the bathroom. And I'm like, Okay. And I walk back in there. She's looking down at like a positive pregnancy test. And my friend's in the other room. Can't like do anything really. I'm like, <sighs> there's like so much going on, but like literally nothing can come out. I'm like, like I can't see anything. And then we just had to walk out of the bathroom. Like nothing had happened. <laughs> Like, like, it's like I walk into the bathroom, my life is this way. I walk out, my, wife's a diff- my, my life's a different way. No words happen in the entire span of this. I'm like, okay, I'm going to like cook breakfast like, like it's a normal Saturday. But uh, it, it's, it's kind of funny. But this whole like, uh, this whole like baby thing has got me thinking about, uh, about preparation, it's got me thinking about preparation. It's like, okay, what, how, what, when, uh, uh, what do I do? Uh, but uh, 
It's got me thinking about preparation and, and, and this movie. It's, it's like a perfect example of preparation, right? It's like this awesome class. They bring in these top fighter pilots and they're like, you're awesome, but we're going to make you incredibly awesome. We're going to do two combat missions a day. We're going to yell at you and tell you that, uh, that you want the, we want some butts. And uh, the weirdest line in all of movie history, I want some butts. I'm just, I'm just saying, weirdest line. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to yell at you. We're going to go two missions a day. And then we're going to go in 10 classes in between those. Like what? So much going on. But what are they doing? They're preparing them. They're making them the best they can be. Right? So I want to talk this morning about the power of preparation. We've been preparing for a baby. And part of my preparation was to look through all my old baby pictures. I was a cute baby. You guys don't even know. Picture like these massive ears. But like same size on like a little freckly kid. It's the cutest thing you'll ever see. It's like a little baby monkey. But uh, it is so cute. I'm looking through them. I realize like the clothes that I'm wearing are so freaking cool. I think they were all hand-me-downs because we didn't have a whole lot of money, but whoever was handing down these clothes, they were so cool. It's like when it was like, what, 96, 97, not, not when I was born, but when I was wearing these clothes. And some of these clothes, I swear if I had them now, I could sell them for like three, $400. Like, like champion brand Charlotte Hornets jersey. You know, but size like 4T, come on. Like that, like that's the stuff I'm like, mom, you got rid of this? How could you? I could like be, I could be a billionaire right now. If I just sold my like five-year-old wardrobe, I, I, I would like, I would love to have my five-year-old wardrobe. In fact, in, uh, in, in remembrance, I decided to wear the pants from when I was four. You can tell, uh, I can't go any further than this, but uh, woo, yeah, good catch. Thank you. That was you to me. Uh, but I want to talk about the power of preparation, right? We've been preparing for this baby, but I want to talk about the power of preparation in our spiritual lives, right? And preparation is something that you cannot do in the moment. We're such an application-based world, right? We don't read, we don't read books, we read articles, Sometimes we don't even read the articles. Sometimes we look at the headlines or scan the article to see if it's too long to read and then decide, oh, nope, not going to read this one. Going to go find a different one, right? We don't want the knowledge. We want the answers, right? We don't want the knowledge. We want the answers. But in a world of, of fun facts and, and shallow understanding, there's something powerful about preparation, about development, right? We've been talking about these three Ds for the past couple of weeks. We've got... Uh, discover, deploy, develop. And I want to talk about this development. I want to talk about this development, right? Because we're all about, give me what I need at this moment. I don't have time for anything else. But development, it takes preparation and preparation takes pain. Preparation takes pain. So I want to talk about this preparation. And we understand that in some areas of our lives, right? We understand it in things like sports. We get preparation takes pain, right? We get preparation takes pain. We get the, 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 to really develop as a team. We got to go through preparation. We see people, we see like high school football teams running gassers, like almost passing out. And I, I don't know about you, but I always had a high school football coach that was a little overweight or a lot overweight. And he's like on the sideline, like he's telling us the reward of running all this much, like how we're going to be in such good shape and how we're going to win. But I'm like, well, you're a little bit big, and I don't know if I should be taking fitness advice from you. Uh, but 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 it's it's all this preparation, right? We see the value of of pain in in physical preparation, but we don't translate that to our spiritual world very often. 
And, and we understand this. We see, like, we watch football movies all the time. We get this. There was, used to be a TV show called Daily Doubles where people would just watch high school students struggle through Daily Doubles. It was just like, it was just like pain entertainment. You're like, I'm eating chips on the couch while watching people run, like, absurd amounts. But we get it in football, and, and you always knew when I played high school football, and we always knew that it was about time to go when we're in the weight room and we hear this. Here it is. Oh, yeah. And then everybody starts getting a little hop in their step, you know. Everybody starts. It's like a, a whole room. You got like 70 uh, overly hormonal, pubescent men in one room, in one like weight room where they've been doing crazy stuff. And all of a sudden you start hearing like <sighs> grunting and, and slobbering and <sighs> And then the crazy guy in the corner yells, let's kill somebody. And then everybody's like, everybody's like getting hyped up. They're like getting overly aggressive with each other, like shoulder jabs and let's go. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, yeah, we're going to commit murder today. And everybody's like getting down their primordial, like, oh, let's go. And then the coach is like, let's go. I want to see you kill somebody. Even though who you're going to play, you've probably already gone out to like eat lunch with at some point in your life. But he's like, let's go. All right. We're going to murder him. And then, and then you, you like run out onto the field with your meanest face. Everybody's like starts turning into horses for some reason. Like they're walking, they're walking. <laughs> you, it, it, it's crazy, but why? Why? There's something that the coaches understand and they're like, hey, you know what? 90% of what goes down on that field is actually completely decided beforehand. 90% of what happens on that field is decided by our mental state. It's decided by the preparation that we've put in. They understand that. That's what determines the game, right? So I want to talk this morning about what goes into the mindset that you have when you step onto the field, right? What goes into the mindset that you have when you face the game in your life? when you face the, the opportunity or the obstacle or, or whatever it is, the struggle, whatever, whatever's coming in your life, whatever's coming your way, what goes into the mindset that prepares you for that field, so prepares you to step onto that field? So we're going to uh, start looking in the Bible because we always do that here. Why? Because we believe that the Bible is God's word and that it has power today to speak directly into your life, right? That God wants to speak to you today through the Bible. So I want to encourage everybody here, lean in, right? Not for me, but for you, because God wants to speak to you this morning, right? God has a word directly for you. And because you're here and because you've made the decision to not do anything else today, but to come here and to focus, God says, I got something for you today, right? No matter whether I bumble through my notes or no matter whether I like speak some sort of amazing, mind-blowing, eloquent statement, like it doesn't really matter because God wants to speak to you today and I can't stop him, right? So lean in. God wants to speak to you today. We're going to look at a story in the Bible. It's about a guy named David. And David had this like big roller coaster life, right? He had a big roller coaster life. He had really high highs and really low lows. And, and I started reading this whole story of David. It's a whole book, uh, and you see uh, this, this process of David's life. 
And I started making a correlation. You know, there's times of preparation in David's life, followed by times of immense success and God's blessing. And there's times in David's life where he lets the preparation slip, right? Where he's not, he's not, he's not putting in the time behind the scenes, where he's not being where he's supposed to be, and those are when his greatest failures come, right? So we look at the story of even when he was anointed king, he's out in the field doing what he's supposed to do. He's out there preparing. He's, everybody else is having a party, but no, he's out preparing. And what happens? David, Samuel comes and he says, hey, nobody here at this party. I said I was going to anoint a king at this party is what he says. And he, he's like, nobody here is king. Who's not here? David. And he anoints David king. And then there's a story of David and Goliath. David's out doing what he's supposed to do. He's, he's out watching, watching the sheep. His brothers are off at war. And, and his, his dad says, hey, take your brothers some food. And he does it. And while he's there, he meets this guy, Goliath, kills him. It's this awesome thing. They, they win this huge war. It's, it's so cool. He has this blessing on his life. And it happens again when he's, uh, he's not king yet, but the current king wants to kill him because he knows he's supposed to be king. And David says, no, I won't kill the king. I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of God. And God protects him. And he actually brings an amazing group of people around him and blesses him in that time before he becomes king, right? And then he lets, it kind of, he lets his guard down and he's not where he's supposed to be. He's not putting in the preparation. He's uh, not at battle when he's supposed to be at battle. He's not, he's not doing the little things. And then he meets this lady named Bathsheba. Uh, they're both married, not to each other. And they have sex. They have a kid. And it kind of crumbles his life there for a minute. And he wasn't prepared. He lets the parenting of one of his sons slack. He doesn't, says that the Bible says he didn't, never even asked him what he was doing. And that son came around to try to overthrow him as king. Right? So David has times of preparation where he's, he's, he's putting in the work behind the, time, the, behind the scenes. He's running towards the pain and the process and immense blessing comes on David's life and times where he lets it slip and that's where his greatest failures occur, right? That's where his greatest failures occur. So, so we're going to look at a, a specific passage of this story and uh, I'm going I'm to have it up here on the screen, but I'm going to kind of give you even more, uh, a little bit closer, but still just headline versions of it, all right? I'm going to read some specific spots, but this is going to be the story of David and Goliath. So, right, I told you that, Je that he's, his brothers were out to battle, and he was, he's the youngest, and his brothers are out fighting, and, and David was going back and forth from Bethlehem, doing what he was supposed to do. I'm going to get the next slide. And, his, and, and Jesse said to David, take this bread, or uh, take this grain and, and bread to your brothers and see what they're up to, see if they're okay, and then uh, bring back something to show me that your brothers are actually okay. And then David said, a uh, little while later, David gets there, and he says to Saul, after he meets Goliath. He says he's Goliath, and Goliath is like tormenting the Israelites. He's like this big dude, you know, he's, uh, he's like huge. He's got 12 fingers for some reason. He's got like a, a spear that's heavier than David is. And, and, he's, and David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go and, and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Next one. And David said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. I've been preparing. 
When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he had defied the armies of the living God. Next one. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze metal helmet on his head. David fastened it all up, but he said, I'm not used to them. I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off and he took his stuff, his staff in his hand, got five stones and he got a, a, his sling and he approached the Philistine. And the, the, the Philistine says, how dare you come at me? You're just a boy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. That's pretty much the basic version of this, but with a whole more colorful language. And then uh, David says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. PG-13 church. This very day, I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And then... We see right here, he does it, right? Then he does it. He takes out his stone. He moves, the, they, they come, they come to close, closer into battle. David slings a stone and it kills him, right? David slings a stone and it kills him. So I want to pull a few principles out of this story. I want to pull a few principles out of this story. And, and the first one is these are, these are the the things that we need in order to be prepared to step out onto the field. This is how we get prepared. The first is knowledge, right? David, we don't, we don't see this in the story, but we can assume that David was taught how to use this sling, right? This is actually a, a weapon of the time, and, and he would have been taught how to use his sling. They're like, hey, you're going to go guard the sheep. Here's a weapon. They didn't just send him with a, because a sling is literally pretty much just a strap and a rock. They're not just like, here's a piece of leather and a rock, Go do it. No, they, he would have been taught how to use this sling. It would have been something that he would have been taught from his youth. He knew what he was doing, right? So this is the knowing what to do. This is the learning stage. It's reading our Bible, right? In our spiritual life, it's reading our Bible. It's getting to know God. It's, it's, it's reading the book Rocket Fuel. If you haven't, buy it. It's by our pastor, Jake. It's so incredible. It's so incredible. Even if you aren't a reader, you can finish it in like a couple hours. So good right? It's, it's getting to know God. It's, it's, it's reading books. It's, it's listening to mentors, right? Knowledge. The first step to be prepared, knowledge. The second step, exercise. Not physical exercise, but this is, this is exercising what we know, right? Exercising what we know. He's practiced the use of his sling, this guy David, right? He's practiced the use of his sling. He didn't run away at the opportunity to show, his, to, to, to practice what he's learned, right? He didn't run away at the opportunity. The bear comes, the lion comes. What does he do? It's just one sheep. He could just leave it. No, he says, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to practice in the small stuff, which lion, given it's just not that small, uh, but I'm going to practice in the small stuff. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to run toward the pain. He exercised. And many of us think that when we're training like that, when we're, when we're just, just like, doing the little things that we're supposed to do, we're actually missing the party. But, but what do we see in that story of David? We see when he's out there protecting the sheep, which who knows? We don't know what he was doing out there while they were having the party. That time that he's out there at the party, or while they're at the party, 
That could have been the time where he encounters the lion, right? That could have been the, the, the little piece of exercise that, that, that God had for him that he was going to take and use uh, uh, later on in this story, right? We don't know why he was out there. We just know he was out there and he may have thought, oh, I'm out here missing the party. But what happens if, 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 if it's God's party? You're not gonna miss it, right? God will not let you miss the party due to training, right? So we see David, he's true to the process out in the fields in the place where it's hardest for him to be, developing his heart, his skills, and the tools that we'll see him use in the moments to come, right? He sees resistance and he pursues it, right? So this is, this is obeying God when the stakes are low. This is exercise. Obeying God when the stakes are low. Choosing to apply the advice of mentors. It's being willing to face the pain and choose integrity over a quick payoff. We're really bad at delayed gratification. We're really bad at, at saying, oh no, I'll have something better later than I'll have now, right? No, I'll, I'll, we say, no, I'll take the $50 now instead of the $100 later. No, I'll take the affair now instead of the 50-year marriage later. No, I'll take, I'll take whatever it is. I'll take this, this appeasing, appealing thing right now instead of something later, but, but exercise is saying, no, I'm going to face the pain. I'm going to face it now for the pleasure to come. Thomas More says, if we live in a defensive posture against pain, trying to run away from suffering, then our pleasures will tend to be superficial as well. Right? We tend to avoid physical discomfort. We tend to avoid it, right? It's, it's, it's not that we really lack the will to win in certain areas, like in our spiritual life, when, when like, let's say our wife is out of town and somebody asks us to coffee, or a, a woman asks us to coffee. And it's not that we lack the will to win in that area, right? It's that we lack the integrity to prepare, we lack the integrity to prepare, right? The battle isn't won at that request. The battle's won beforehand when we make the decision and we say, no, actually, I already know what my answer is going to be. No, actually, I, I, I already have it all laid out, right? Bob Kennedy, he's the only American to run the 5,000 meters in under 13 minutes. Running is probably the hardest thing in the whole world. It's so hard right? Running is so hard if you do it right. And this, so this guy, he's really fast, long distance runner, and he puts it this way. You can't train at one level and expect to compete at a higher level. You have to go to the wall in training when appropriate, right? In a competition, when stakes are high, we can push ourselves to our limits, but it's in time of preparation that we push even our limits, right? It's in times of preparation that we push even our limits, where we say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, I have this integrity, but in times of preparation, I'm going to build this integrity, right? In times of competition, we can use what we have, but it's in times of preparation where we build what we have, right? Steve Prefontaine, we're big Prefontaine fans here. He said, no matter how hard you train, someone will train harder. No matter how hard you run, someone will run harder. No matter how hard you want it, someone will want it more. I'm someone. That's what he said. He said, I'm someone. I'm not letting anybody out-train me. I'm not letting anybody out-push me. In the dark, in the silence, when everything's bad, or when, everything, when nobody sees anything, I'm putting in the work. I'm putting in the work. That's a good heart to have. Or you say, hey, no, nobody's going to out-read their Bible than me. 
out, out read their Bible me, if that's a thing. No one's going to out-worship me. No one's going to out-hear the voice of God me, right? No one's going to do that. Don't be afraid to give up the good for the great. Next, forward thinking. Forward thinking. David looked ahead and he knew it was going to be hard. More than that, he saw what his weaknesses were going to be. He saw what his weaknesses were going to be. He puts on Saul's armor and he says, hey, you know what? I'm pretty small. I'm not really trained in much hand-to-hand combat. He's like, you know, if I'm wearing this armor that I'm not really used to, if I get close enough to use the armor against his spear that weighs more than me, I've lost. He says, if I get that, if I get that close, I've lost. So what do we see? We got to think through our obstacles before we reach them. We got to think things through before we reach them. How do we win in areas of our life, whether it's, whether it's sin, whether there's, a certain, uh, whether there's a certain goal that we're straining for? How do we win in areas of life? We need to think it through. So how do we resist, uh, uh, how do we resist sin? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the moment, but in preparation, right? We, we, we often think, oh, the, 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 God, I want you to help me not do this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to this. I need you to help me not do it. And then the moment comes, you, you, you want to do the thing, and then you do it, and then you're like, God! But he's like, no, the power comes in preparation with the Holy Spirit. The power comes in preparation with the Holy Spirit, right? So is there a battle in your life that you keep losing? Is there some battle in your life that you keep losing? Have you thought of thinking through what's coming? If there's something that you keep looking at on the computer that you know you probably shouldn't, or someone that you keep talking to that you know you probably shouldn't, when do you make the decision not to do it? Is it when you already have the program open on the computer? Is it when you launch your web browser? Is it when you sit down at the computer? Or is it when there's no one home and you know what you shouldn't be doing? And you make the decision well beforehand that, no, I'm not going to go to the computer when there's no one home and no one to stop what I'm doing and no one to check on me and no one to see. No, right? That's when you make the decision. It's not when you open your web browser. It's not, it's, it's not during any of these times. It's a preparation. It's forward thinking. You think, hey, what are the problems that I'm going to face and how do I beat them beforehand? Be wise. This is wisdom. Thinking things through beforehand. The, the last thing, backward thinking. Backward thinking, how have I won in the past? How has God empowered me in the past? What I see here is I don't see David just running out there and just slinging stones willy-nilly. No, I see him coming. He's he's got his five, but he slings one. Well, I see him him sitting here and I I see him thinking. I see him thinking, God, you got me through the lion. And you see him tell this to Saul, right? God, you got me through the lion. God, you got me through the bear. God, 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 you're gonna get me through this right? So, so, so this is the application of preparation, backward thinking. We often think preparation stops when we step, of it, step foot on the field, but it actually, it, it, there's, a, there's one more part of preparation after you step foot on the field, and that's backward thinking. What are those constructs that I've set up within my mind with forward thinking? What are those constructs that I've set up in my mind? What, what exercises have prepared me for this moment? What knowledge from the Bible have I written on my heart? What are the promises of God that apply to this? All right, there's a guy named Gary Stoltz. He's another long-distance runner, uh, really good Olympic-level runner. And before a competition, he says, he'll create a counter-message for the thoughts that are going to come during that race. He says, I know 
that, that pain is just, a, it's just a message to my body. So I create a counter message where I know beforehand, hey, this is what I'm going to say. And, it's, and it goes like this. I focus on my physical training, on my miles run, on the difficult workouts that I've completed, right? In other words, God, you did this for me before. God, I read this in your word. God, you got me through before. God, you've provided for me here. Now you provide for me there. God, you protected me here. Now you'll protect me there, right? It's backward thinking. It's these constructs that we have to set up in our mind to say, God, God, you, 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 you've been faithful to me here, so be faithful to me there. God, God, God I, I want to, you've protected me here. You will protect me there. These backward thinking, right? So what are the four steps? There's, there's, there's four more, there's four steps that this is how, right? These are the things that we have to do, but then these things are how we do them, right? Number one, read your Bible every day, every day. Every other day? No, every day. When I have time? No, every day. When, like, when the mood strikes me? No, every day. It won't strike you. Just letting you know. <laughs> it's not always supposed to be fun. It's not always supposed to be this big life-changing experience. Sometimes it's just another two-mile run, Sometimes it's just pushing yourself up to the wall one more time, doing the thing you don't want to do because why? Delayed gratification. Because of delayed gratification, you're saying, I'm going to put the work in now so it can work for me later, right? It's the two-mile run when you didn't feel like doing it, when you could have just watched another episode of The Office, right? Reading your Bible tomorrow isn't life-changing. The next day, not life-changing. Today, not life-changing. What's life-changing is reading your Bible every single day. Every single day. Why, why is it life-changing? Because you're literally changing your life. You're literally changing your life and you're reorienting it around the Word of God every day. Number two, run to the pain and don't cut corners. Run to the pain and don't cut corners. The sooner you meet discomfort in your life, the hard uh, the sooner you meet the hard decision, the, the, the preparation that needs to be done, the less painful it's going to be. We're terrible at delayed gratification, right? We're terrible. The sooner you meet it, the better or the, the easier it's going to be. Number three, acknowledge your weakness. We see David here. He says, hey, you know, I know where I'm weak and I'm not going anywhere near that. He says, I know that if I get right up under big old Goliath, I'm done for right? He knows his weakness, but he says, nope, I'm, I'm going to play against that. I'm going to play to my strength. We take, we love personality tests. I love personality tests. I don't know about you, but there's this thing with personality tests. There's kind of two ways that people take it. One way it's, I take a personality test and you're like, yep, this is who I am. You're like, so you're like a jerk to somebody, like right in plain conversation. Yeah, it's because I'm a four. I don't know. I don't know if fours are mean. I don't actually know, that, know it that well, but you're like, yeah, it's my personality. What can I say? Like, yeah, no, it's, it's who I am. What can I say? Like, oh, yeah, I forgot to do that again. It's my personality. What can I say? Like, that, there's, there's some people that take it that way, and then there's some people that, that say, okay, I'm going to look at who I am. What are my weaknesses? How do I fix them? What are my weaknesses? How do I play to my strengths? How do I develop? Right? Acknowledge your weaknesses like David does. David says, I'm not going to get anywhere near my weakness. I'm not going to get anywhere near my weakness. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not even going to touch this armor. I don't need it because I'm not going to get close enough to use it, right? Acknowledge your weakness. And last, create a mental highlight reel. What has God done for you? What has he promised you? A mental highlight reel, right? David, you see him, you see him playing through this mental highlight reel when he's talking to Saul. He's like, hey, you know what? 
I have. I have done it. I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. God protected me then. He'll protect me now. He, I, I'm not even fighting against this guy. God is. He's already defied God's name. We, talk to, we, we sing this song today, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. He's like, no, he already defied God's name. It's already done. He's like, no, it, it's already done. I've seen God do this in the past. He's going to do it again. He's got this mental highlight, really, where he's like, I got this. And I see him running out on the field. I don't see him really running out uh, in, in like, thinking like, oh yeah, I'm the boss. I see him running out there with this thing going through his head. He's like the lion, the bear, the lion, the bear. Your teeth aren't as big as that lion. Like, you know, you know what I see? You know what I mean? He's got this mental highlight reel rolling in his head. Create your mental highlight reel. Create your mental highlight reel. The verses that God has spoken over your life, right? The, the promises that God has made to you, the, the things that God has done for you in the past, the miracles that have happened in your life. And if you say, no, there haven't been any miracles in my life. Take a second, reel it back. You're here. God cares for you. God wants you here. God puts you here. You being here today is a miracle, right? What, what miracles has God done in your life? And the, the last most important step, uh, I said there were four, but there's a secret fifth. It's actually the first most important step in, in, in being ready to step out onto the field is you got to figure out what team you're on, right? If you don't know what team you're on, the game's going to get weird. Uh, but you got to figure out, okay, what team am I on? And every week people come in here looking for a team, looking for hope, looking for purpose, trying to figure out, okay, is this Jesus guy, is he, is he my answer? And, and I just want to tell you today, yes, yes. This is the best decision that you could ever make is to make the decision to be on Jesus's team. Why? Because Jesus' team has power. There's hope, there's purpose. There's, there's the, this, this, this God that protects David in the, in the face of a giant is behind you. So this morning, if you came here thinking, I, I, I don't really know, I'm going to give this a try, and, and, and you're, you're thinking right now, you know what? I want to give this Jesus thing a, a, a test. I want to give it a try. I want to I be part of Jesus' team. You don't have to know everything about it. You don't have to, have to know how to be a Christian. All you have to do is make the decision, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And we'll help you with the next steps and everything. But if you want to make that decision this morning, I'm just going to ask everybody to close your eyes and, and bow your head. If you want to make that decision this morning, I want to be on Jesus' team. I want to follow Jesus. I want to have you raise your hand this morning just so I can see it. Yeah, that's so cool. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's so amazing. Thank you so much. That's so cool. That's so cool. Anybody else? That's awesome. So cool. So cool. You know, I, I'm going I'm to pray with you guys. I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me. It's not any sort of magic prayer. Uh, the words don't magically make you a Christian. But if you believe this and you say it in your heart, it will change your life forever. So I'm going to ask you guys if everybody could pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I messed up. Would you forgive my sins? Jesus, I believe you died and that you rose again. Jesus, I believe you're God. I'm going to make you the head of my life. Would you help me to follow you? In Jesus' name, amen.